Today's podcast was recorded yesterday. If you want to listen to my podcasts commercial-free the day that I record them, go to shiftradio.com premium. It only costs $5 a month. Today's podcast is sponsored by Shopify. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving small entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for just big business. For a free 14-day trial and to get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features, go to shopify.com gold. The Dow Jones plunged by 1,276 points today. That's a move of just under 4%. It's the biggest point drop in the Dow since June of 2020. So it's been over two years. And of course, back in June of 2020, the market was getting hammered routinely because of COVID lockdowns. But what hammered it today was a higher than expected inflation number, which not only sent the Dow Jones tumbling, but pretty much everything else. The Russell 2000 also fell by about 4%, but the S&P 500 dropped by 4.3%. And the NASDAQ plunged 5.4%. Of course, the riskier stocks within the NASDAQ did even worse. If you look at the Kathy Wood Fund, down 6.8%. Of course, the riskiest asset of all, Bitcoin, got smoked. It dropped about 12% from its intraday high just before the CPI was released when Bitcoin was trading just under 22800 And by the time the market closed, it was barely holding on to a 20000 handle for a 12% intraday drop. The Grayscale Bitcoin Trust held up a little bit better, but fell 10.6% on the day. Now, if you look at actual gold, it was only off about 1.3% on the day, although it was positive prior to the CPI, but gold at least managed to close above 1700. It traded below it briefly, but it was above 1730 before the number was released. In fact, gold had a rally Monday. Silver had an even bigger rally on Monday. It was up about 5% before giving back about 2%. So about 40% of those gains surrendered today. One of the bigger reversals, though, was in the US dollar index which fell sharply on Monday. And then again on Tuesday morning, the dollar index was down at 107.68 prior to the release of the CPI. And then after we got that hot number, the dollar soared and we closed at 109.9. That's more than a two-point intraday swing in the dollar index and one of the biggest moves I've seen. The markets were preparing for a softer CPI. Everybody was under the impression that inflation had peaked and that it was coming down and that when we got validation that inflation was coming down by the August CPI, that would take a lot of the pressure off the Fed, that it wouldn't have to raise rates as much because the inflation problem was solved. And so that's one of the reasons that the dollar sold off. It's one of the reasons that gold and silver rallied. In fact, it's one of the reasons that the stock market had been rallying because the Fed was going to be taken out of the game. Maybe not completely sidelined, but at least it was going to tone down its rhetoric and maybe not raise rates as much as people thought. But now that we got this hotter than expected number, People think the Fed is going to raise rates more than they thought. In fact, not only is the market pricing in 
a 100% certainty that the September rate hike will be 75 basis points, but there's now about a 25% probability that the Fed's going to hike by 100 basis points in September. Now, I think the markets are wrong. I think the only way the Fed will hike by 100 basis points is if the market expects a 100 basis point hike. So as long as the markets are expecting 75, then that's what the Fed is going to deliver. But the markets still don't understand that even if the Fed hikes by 100 basis points, it's not going to bend this inflation curve. I don't know why everybody continues to be surprised when the inflation numbers come out worse than expected. They assume that what the Fed is doing is going to work. It's not going to work. The people who think it is don't understand the nature of the problem. As I've been saying since the beginning, since before people even recognized that inflation was a problem, that the solution includes positive real interest rates. That as long as we have interest rates below the inflation rate, even if they're higher, they're still negative and negative interest rates put upward pressure on inflation. You can't fight inflation with negative interest rates. It's like saying, I'm going to fight this fire by pouring gasoline on it. It's just that I'm only going to pour a little bit of gasoline, not as much gasoline as I was pouring on before. Well, if you're still throwing gasoline on a fire, that fire is still going to get bigger. And that is exactly what the Fed is doing. Let's look at the numbers that came out today for the August CPI. First of all, the headline number was supposed to come out at minus 0.1%. And the reason for that was the big drop in energy prices that has been continuing thanks to the Biden administration's irresponsible depletion of our strategic petroleum reserves. But because we are flooding the oil markets with our strategic reserves, that is pushing down the price. But even falling oil prices weren't enough to offset other prices that were going up. And so we ended up with a positive print of 0.1 for the August CPI. But beneath the surface, it was even worse because the core number which was supposed to rise by 0.3, rose by 0.6. That is double what had been estimated. And in fact, if you look at the consensus range of estimates, it went from a low of 0.1 to a high of 0.5. So above the upper range of expectations. And if you look at the year-over-year numbers, year-over-year headline CPI, 8.3%. Not as bad as the 8.5% in the rearview mirror from the prior month, but higher than the 8.1% that analysts had expected. But when it comes to core, that's where it's even worse. They were looking for 6.1% year-over-year gain. We got 6.3%, and that represents a significant increase over the 5.9% rise from the prior month. Believe it or not, though, after the CPI was released, President Biden made lemonade out of these lemons by once again pointing to the headline number and bragging about the fact that it was only up 0.1%. In fact, he said that over the last two months, prices are only up 0.1%. Because remember, last month in July, when the headline was zero, Biden was bragging that we had no inflation during the month of July even though we had big increases in food prices and prices of other items, a decline in the price of gasoline masked the increase in other prices. But even though gasoline prices fell again in August, they're still very high. 
They're much higher than they were when Biden was elected. And people are still struggling with those high prices. It's just that they're not struggling quite as much in the months of August as they have in recent months. But the problem is they're struggling more with other prices that have increased by more than the price of gasoline has come down. Plus, nobody seems to be discussing the fact that increases in the CPI are cumulative, meaning that the year-over-year price increases in August 2022 are on top of the year-over-year price increases from August 2021. And if you go back and look at what the year-over-year price increase was a year ago, it was 5.3%. That's still a big number, way above the Fed's 2% target. So if you look at the two years combined, compounded, that means that consumer prices are up 14% over the past two years. That is huge. That is a massive inflation tax that Americans are paying this year because we're paying 14% more than we paid to buy the same stuff two years ago. Of course, the actual increase in prices is much more than what the CPI reveals. And even in the unlikely event that by August of next year, the Fed is able to reduce year-over-year CPI to 2%, that would still be a 16.3% increase over three years. Now, of course, more likely inflation won't go down. It will stay the same or go up. And so the three-year increase in prices could be between 20 and 25%. That is massive. And of course, if official prices are up 25%, real prices are probably up 50%. Imagine a 50% increase in the cost of living crammed into just three years. How are American families whose savings are tapped out and who are buried beneath a mountain of debt going to survive a 50% increase in the cost of living. Also think about what that means for financial assets. If the cost of living is up by 50%, your stock portfolio needs to go up by 50% to break even. Your house has to go up by 50% to break even. Imagine somebody who has a stock, it's gone up by 30% and they sell it. They've actually lost money. They've really lost maybe 20%, but they're forced to pay a capital gains tax on phantom income. In fact, when you delve deeper into the August year-over-year inflation numbers that we just got, that's where it looks even worse, especially when it comes to food prices. Year-over-year in August, the price of food is up by 11.4%. That is the biggest jump in year-over-year food prices since 1979. But it's even a bigger jump if you just look at food at home, which is groceries. Groceries are up 13.5% year-over-year. That is also the biggest year-over-year increase since 1979. So in other words, despite everything that the Fed has done, food prices are rising faster now than they've been the entire time. In other words, the Federal Reserve is really no closer to winning its inflation battle and returning inflation to 2% than it was when interest rates were still at zero. Now they're up at two and a quarter, but even if they move them to three and a quarter, it's too little too late. Prices are going to keep going up. Also look at shelter. Shelter prices rose by six and a quarter percent 
year over year. That's the biggest increase on record. But I think they only started keeping track of it in that way since 1990. But if you look at rents, which are up 6.74% year over year, that's the biggest gain since the early 1980s. But of course, we know that that's a lie because when they say rents, it's owner's equivalent rents, and that's not actual rent. Actual rents are increasing at more than double the pace of what is officially reported by owner's equivalent rent. So it's actually a much bigger number. But look at health care. Year-over-year health care costs are up 24.3%. Hey, I thought Obamacare was supposed to stop health care costs from rising. 24.3% year-over-year. Imagine how much worse the headline inflation numbers would have been if we didn't have this collapse in energy prices. But the collapse in energy prices won't last. It's being artificially engineered by the Biden administration because they are depleting our strategic petroleum reserves. If you look at a chart of those reserves, they have plunged now to the lowest level since 1983. But at the rate that we are depleting those reserves, it will be completely empty probably sometime in 2023. Then what happens? Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. Get smarter about things like saving on travel, because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancier dinner, too. Boosting your credit score, since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. And saving for an emergency fund, because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What happens when there's no more oil to sell? Then the price of oil really goes up. But think about this. What if we try to refill the reserve? After all, we're supposed to have a strategic petroleum reserve in case there's an emergency. Right now, the only emergency is the midterm elections, and so that's political. But what if we have an actual emergency? What if there really is a shortage of energy and we actually need to tap in to those petroleum reserves? What happens when there's nothing there? You go to the cupboard and the cupboard is bare. So if the Biden administration decides to refill those reserves, 
then oil prices are going to skyrocket because not only are you going to have the demand coming from the public, but you're going to have the demand coming from the government trying to refill what it just depleted. Now, I think they won't do that. I think once the reserves run dry, they're not going to buy any more oil because they don't want to risk pushing the price up even more, which means the price will skyrocket if we actually have an emergency. But more significant than that, there won't be any energy. There will be massive shortages. The entire nation is now vulnerable to a legitimate oil shock thanks to the political gimmickry of the Biden administration. Yes, because of what they're doing, they probably shaved a few points off the headline CPI and consumer confidence has been somewhat lifted as gas prices have come down. But imagine what happens when we deplete that reserve and now we're going to get hit by the full force of rising oil prices and inflation. Meanwhile, we don't have a strategic reserve of food. And so food prices keep going up and so is the price of everything else. Don't you just love that sound? That's the sound of another sale happening on Shopify. Shopify is more than just a store. It helps you connect with your customers, drive your sales, and manage your day-to-day. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving small entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for just big business. And it's all customized for you with a great-looking online store that brings your idea to life and gives you the tools to manage and drive your sales. Making your ideas real opens endless possibilities. Best of all, Shopify makes it easy for anyone to successfully run a small business. Shopify powers millions of entrepreneurs from their first sale to full scale. And every 28 seconds, another small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. So get started today by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience required. Gain access to powerful tools to help you find customers, drive sales, and manage your day-to-day. Gain the knowledge and confidence that you need to succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than just the store. Shopify grows with you. These are the possibilities and they're powered by Shopify. So go to shopify.com gold, all lowercase, to get a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today. Go to shopify.com gold right now. Also, not only are we getting some temporary relief based on the sale of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserves, but also from the strong dollar. Not strong domestically, because obviously the dollar's purchasing power is declining here at home, but it's actually increasing abroad relative to other currencies. And that is providing a significant benefit to Americans, which is offsetting some of the price increases that Americans would otherwise be suffering. Because the dollar is so much stronger than other currencies, our imports are so much less expensive than they otherwise might be. And also, not as much of what we produce is getting exported because foreigners can't afford it, and so there's more stuff available for Americans. So all of this is minimizing how bad inflation is. I mean, it's bad anyway. Just imagine how much worse it would be if we didn't have the benefit of this strong dollar. The question is, how much longer will that benefit last? Because the only reason the dollar is strong, and in fact, the only reason it rallied again today following these worse than expected inflation numbers is because the markets once again take this bad news on inflation as being good news for the dollar and bad news for gold because they still stubbornly believe 
that every time there's a worse than expected inflation number, that means the Fed is going to have to fight that much harder to contain inflation. And it's that harder inflation fight that's supposed to be good for the dollar and therefore bad for gold. But to me, this represents the definition of insanity, which is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. How many times is the market going to be surprised by worse than expected inflation and then think that worse than expected inflation is going to make sure that the Fed does something to reduce inflation back down to 2%. Does inflation have to rise to 10% or 20%? What happens if a year into the future, the markets are looking for 12% inflation and we end up with 13% inflation? Is that going to be seen as good for the dollar? Is gold going to sell off yet again because 13% inflation really means the Fed is going to do something to contain it and bring it back down to 2%. And then what if it goes to 20% and all of a sudden we get 22 and the markets thought 20? Is that bullish? At some point, the markets are going to have to come to terms with the reality that higher inflation is bad for the dollar. It's good for gold because it's proof that the Fed is losing its fight against inflation. In fact, we don't even need proof. It is impossible for the Fed to win its fight. All the Fed can do is bluff. Because as I said earlier, what the Fed would need to do to win this inflation fight is to have positive real interest rates. And so if inflation is around 8%, you need rates 9 or 10% at a minimum. We're still barely above 2 And even if we get above 3 you're still talking about negative 5% real interest rates. But it's not just about negative real interest rates. If the Fed is going to win this fight against inflation, it needs help from the U.S. government. The U.S. government has to significantly cut government spending. But it's actually doing the opposite of that right now. The U.S. government's most recent bills that were passed were spending bills. They weren't spending reduction bills. They increased spending, including the inappropriately named Inflation Reduction Act, which is really a spending bill in disguise. It was the Green New Deal light. It was a slimmed down and rebranded version of Build Back Better. But the only thing it's going to build is more inflation. Then look at the CHIPS Act. That was a spending bill. Money is being doled out to these chip companies. You also had student loan forgiveness. Now, that wasn't passed by Congress. That was unconstitutionally signed into law by executive order. But still, that is more government spending because people who have student loans, instead of repaying their loans, are going to go out and spend that money buying stuff. So these are new spending bills. Look, I just read a story that because of the Social Security COLAs, the government is going to have to increase Social Security benefits by an additional $100 billion per year. So that's increasing Social Security spending. That is, again, more gasoline on the inflation fire. Is the government going to have to spend more on Social Security? What about the interest on the national debt, which is about to skyrocket the national debt, which is almost $31 trillion, about a third of that debt matures every year. The budget deficits are already about $2 trillion a year, but they are going to get much worse as the recession gets worse. But look at the yield on a six-month treasury bill at 3.71%. On a 12-year now at 3.84%. The yield curve today continued to steepen its inversion today from the 12 month up to the 10 year. And in fact, the positive slope 
narrowed between the 30-year and the 10-year. The 10-year at three spot four one, the 30-year at three spot four nine. In fact, I think 30-year treasuries were the only yields on the curve to decline today as people are betting more on recession. But again, bond investors still believe that the Fed is going to reduce inflation back down to 2% or lower, and it's going to stay there for the next 30 years. That's not even close. But my point is, with six-month and 12-year bills yielding close to 4%, and they probably will be above 4% in the next few months, as all this government debt that was issued at 25 basis points, 50 basis points, as it matures, and now they have to roll it over at 400 basis points, the cost of paying the interest on the national debt is going to be surging by hundreds of billions of dollars a year, as will the debt itself. All of that is going to be new spending into the economy. So everything the government is still doing is going to make inflation worse. And everything the Fed is doing is still going to make inflation worse because the Fed is still maintaining a highly accommodative monetary policy with severely negative interest rates in the face of rising inflation. And in fact, these interest rate hikes in and of themselves are adding to the problem in two ways. One, higher interest costs that business pay are passed on to consumers in the form of higher prices. So these higher interest rates are also contributing to a lot of other price increases that are part of the CPI. But because higher interest rates means the government now has to pay bondholders more money on their bonds, that's more money that's going into the pockets of bondholders that is also going to be spent. So the Fed is driving up inflation by raising interest rates, but not by raising them enough. I keep hearing people saying that, oh, the risk is that the Fed raises interest rates too much. No, no, that's not a risk at all. There is no way that they're going to raise interest rates too much, at least with respect to containing inflation. That they're not going to do. Now, if you're worried that they're going to raise interest rates too much for the bubble economy to survive, well, there you're right because the Fed will raise interest rates too much for that. The economy is going to implode. Stocks are going to get killed, bonds, real estate, but the economy is going to go into an even deeper recession than it is now. Unemployment is going to spike, and we're going to have a financial crisis. And that's one of the reasons that I'm convinced that despite the fact that inflation is not going to come anywhere near 2%, the Fed is in fact going to pivot, and it's going to fuel that inflation fire when it has an even bigger fire that it think it needs to put out in the economy and in the financial markets. But what people don't understand is if the Fed is going to succeed in fighting inflation and in fact returning inflation to 2%, there's a lot more than the Fed is going to have to do than simply just ratchet up interest rates to much higher levels. The Fed is going to have to force a lot of very hard political choices that up until now it's done everything it could to allow politicians to escape having to make. In other words, the Federal Reserve, after decades of playing ball and cooperating with the U.S. government and basically working in partnership to do their bidding, the Fed is going to actually have to go back to the Volcker days and actually be at odds with the government. Although Ronald Reagan, when he came in, he actually supported what the Fed was doing, but most of Congress did not. Ronald Reagan was kind of a lone warrior in standing by Volcker. Volcker took a lot of criticism from the U.S. Congress. In general, modern Fed chairmen, they've gotten mostly praise 
from the U.S. Congress. They stand behind what they're doing because they're allowing the politicians not to have to make these difficult choices and to continue to play Santa Claus. But if this time the Fed is actually serious and it wants to bring inflation down to 2%, then that party is over. And what the Federal Reserve is going to have to do is stand by and watch this recession, which will be the worst recession ever, much worse than the Great Recession of 2008-2009. The Fed is going to have to sit back and watch it all play out and do nothing to help. No stimulus at all. Because stimulus would worsen the inflation problem. So the Fed has to stay out and just let the recession run its course. And in fact, if we end up with a financial crisis, which I think we will have if the Fed does that, and I think it will be worse than the 2008 financial crisis, then the Fed has to watch banks fail, including the too big to fail, systemically important banks that were bailed out in 2008. If any or all of those banks fail again, the Fed can't do anything to bail them out. The Fed has to sit back and let them fail, let investors lose money, let bondholders lose money, and more importantly, let the depositors lose money. You heard me right. The depositors have to lose money because there is no money in the FDIC unless the Federal Reserve supplies it. But if the Federal Reserve is fighting inflation, it can't create money to bail out the FDIC. It has to let the FDIC fail, which means depositors lose their money. Now, also, the Fed is going to have to sit by while a severe recession forces the U.S. government to slash government spending. The opposite of what it normally does in a recession, it tries to stimulate the economy with additional government spending, but without the cooperation of the Fed, Congress will have no choice but to cut spending in the recession. No bailouts, no extended unemployment benefits, no stimulus checks, nothing. In fact, the Federal Reserve will have to be sedating the economy as it's in recession, pushing it into a deeper recession. The government is going to have to make cuts to Social Security, not increase the COLAs like they're doing now, but make cuts. And I'm not talking about cuts to future beneficiaries. I'm talking about telling people who are getting Social Security checks right now that their checks are going to be smaller. They're going to have to do the same thing with Medicare. In fact, the U.S. government is going to have to default on the national debt. Holders of U.S. Treasuries are going to have to take a haircut because if the Federal Reserve moves interest rates up as high as they need to be, tanking the economy and producing massive deficits, there is no way the U.S. government can finance the existing debt, let alone the additional debt that it would be trying to borrow. Now, of course, if they have to slash government spending, maybe there won't be additional debt, but they won't be able to service the existing debt. And of course, what's going to be happening in the middle of all this is the dollar is finally going to tank. Because if the U.S. economy is exposed for the paper tiger that it is, if everything starts to implode and inflation is running out of control and every Everything is collapsing. There's no way the dollar is going to come out of this unscathed. There is going to be a run on the dollar, and that is going to be pushing up inflation even more, putting more pressure on the Fed to contain it and causing this whole thing to spiral out of control. And of course, if the Fed tries to prevent this from happening, which I'm betting it will, I don't think the Fed is prepared to let any of this happen. I think at the first sign of trouble, Powell's going to pivot. I think the only reason that he hasn't is because he's been getting messages from the market that everything's okay. The stock market hasn't crashed. The bond market's gone down, but it hasn't crashed. The dollar keeps going up. 
and everybody keeps saying how great the economy is, we still officially have a low unemployment rate. So Powell still has the comfort of claiming that the economy is okay. And so under that scenario, he feels comfortable in pretending that he's willing to fight inflation no matter the cost. But the minute those costs become too expensive for the Fed to bear, the minute it's a real recession, a real financial crisis, the minute unemployment really starts to rise, that's when the Fed completely does it about face and it shows its cards. And the risk there is not just that inflation gets worse, but that inflation turns into hyperinflation. But the important part is when is this insanity going to end? When are investors going to wake up and stop selling gold every time inflation is hotter than expected and buying the dollar every time inflation is hotter than expected? Because inflation is going to keep getting worse. And so investors can't keep buying dollars and selling gold because inflation keeps getting worse. They'll only do that so long as they think higher inflation now guarantees lower inflation in the future because they believe that high inflation is going to force the Fed's hand. And of course, that is exactly what the markets believe because there is no other reason for an investor to accept a 3.4% yield on a 30-year U.S. Treasury bond. You would only accept that yield if you are convinced that the 8% inflation that we're experiencing now is indeed transitory. Maybe it's a little less transitory than the Fed initially claimed, but you still have to think it's pretty damn transitory to accept a 3.4% yield for the next 30 years. And you also have to assume that the Fed is going to succeed in getting rid of inflation and returning it to 2% or lower if you are going to be selling gold into rising inflation. After all, gold is an inflation hedge. And if investors expect more inflation, they're going to hedge with gold. And if you expect inflation to continue, gold is going to discount that future inflation into the present and it's going to be reflected in the current price of gold. So today, no matter how much bad news on inflation the markets get, investors don't expect it to continue. So when are those expectations going to change? How many more months can the CPI come out hotter than expected and investors still believe that inflation is going to go away? How many more rate hikes do we need that are ineffective at reducing inflation before investors figure out that it's not going to work? And of course, how many rate hikes will the Fed be able to get away with without crashing the stock market, without crashing the real estate market, without causing a financial crisis? And to the extent that the Fed pushes that envelope until it breaks, if they keep hiking rates until that happens, then what? Will the Fed continue to hike rates if all that bad stuff happens? Or if the Fed begins to suspect that something that dire is around the corner, will it try to take action to prevent it from happening? In other words, will the Fed pivot because it anticipates the next crisis or will it pivot in response to the next crisis that it failed to anticipate? But as long as it pivots at all, that means inflation is going to run out of control. And if it is, then the dollar needs to go way down and gold needs to go way up. So how many more bad inflation numbers is it going to take? My personal opinion on this is not that many more. Maybe the September rate hike will be it. I don't know. Maybe we can make it to another hike. 
But if you look at the reaction in the gold market today, gold was only down about 20 bucks. That's not that bad considering what happened in the stock market or what happened in the bond market or in the foreign exchange market. And in fact, gold didn't close on the lows. Gold made its lows earlier in the morning and it did manage to creep a little bit above its lows. In contrast, the stock market sold off all day long and then closed right near its lows. So stocks were weak all day long. Gold was only weak in the morning. And in fact, silver held up pretty well, especially considering how big the rally was on Monday. It still held on to most of that rally today, despite the fact that you had this surge in the dollar and spike in shorter term bond yields, the precious metals held up. So maybe that's some indication that investors are beginning to question that narrative. They haven't completely figured it out yet, but some of the selling may in fact have been exhausted. Yes, gold and silver stocks were down today, but in many cases, they weren't down as much as a lot of tech stocks, which got beaten up a lot more. So gold stocks weren't the worst performers on the day. Now, not being the worst performers may not sound like something significant, but it might be because if you look at some of the prior sell-offs that we've had in the markets and gold in reaction to a hotter than expected inflation number, the gold stocks were the worst performers. They did worse than tech stocks. So if their relative performance is improving, maybe we're getting closer to the point where they actually can rise in the face of falling stock prices. In fact, at some point, there is going to be a divergence. Gold is going to start rising when inflation is worse than expected, not falling. The dollar is going to start falling when inflation is worse than expected, not rising. And you're going to see the long end of the bond market take the brunt of the selling. That's not what happened today. The selling in treasuries was concentrated on the short end because investors are still confident that the short-term rate hikes will put out the inflation fire. But they're still assuming that the inflation fire is going to go out pretty soon, which is why they were buying the 30-year. But once investors recognize that the Fed's inflation fight is going to fail, that the inflation fire is going to burn hotter and hotter and continue to burn indefinitely, then it's going to be the longer end of the bond market that falls the most. Because holding a 30-year bond, when you have 30 years of high inflation, you lose a lot more of your purchasing power than holding a 10-year treasury. Once investors recognize that the Fed will fail, you'll see it at the long end. And so if you're waiting for a sign, some indication that everything is about to blow up, that's what you should look for. You should look for a reaction in the bond market and the currency market and the precious metals market that is opposite of the reaction that we've been having. When the markets figure this out, when you see the markets respond to worse than expected inflation news by selling 30-year treasuries, by selling dollars, and by buying gold, you will know the party is over and a collapse is imminent. Now, I wouldn't necessarily wait for that signal before taking a position. In fact, I haven't waited for that signal because I think it's possible by the time we get that signal, it could be a much worse entry position than the one we have right now because the markets could start anticipating that signal before we actually get it. I know it's going to happen eventually, but when it does happen, that's when you'll know the end has finally begun. But before it does, take advantage of other investors' misunderstanding of what's going on 
by increasing your exposure to both gold and silver and gold and silver mining stocks. You can increase your gold exposure at Shift Gold. If you're not already working with Shift Gold, I suggest that you give us a try. Go to my website at shiftgold.com. You can speak to any of our representatives about buying more physical gold and silver. And one thing I can guarantee won't happen when you call Shift Gold. Nobody is going to try to talk you out of bullion into buying some kind of collectible or numismatic where you pay sky-high premiums. Some of these companies sell what they claim to be rare coins at incredible premiums over the price of gold and silver, meaning that gold and silver prices may have to rise by 50% in order for you to break even. Now, I believe ultimately they're going to rise a lot more than 50%, but it's better if that money goes into your pocket than into the pocket of a salesman who talks you into buying overpriced coins. Now, if you're a more speculative investor, if you want to have some leverage to the metal price, if you want to try to get rich, not just preserve the wealth that you have, but really increase that wealth, and you're willing to assume the added risk that goes along with it, I can't think of a better speculative investment right now than the gold and silver mining stocks. And I think the best way for my listeners to gain exposure to that sector is either through my mutual fund, the Euro-Pacific Gold Fund, managed by Adrian Day, you can either invest in those funds by calling up any one of my brokers that works with me at Euro-Pacific Capital. Go to our website, europac.com, or you can buy these funds at pretty much any discount brokerage house like Fidelity, Schwab, and a number of others. They all have my mutual funds on their platform. So if you're a do-it-yourself kind of investor and you have one of those accounts, then add my gold fund to your portfolio. Or if you're a larger investor and you'd like to have your own portfolio of individual gold and silver mining stocks, you can set up an account directly with my asset management company, Euro Pacific Asset Management. The website is europacfunds.com. Once you set up an account with us, Adrian Day will personally manage your portfolio in his favorite gold and silver mining stocks. And it's not just the senior producers. Those are the easy ones. It's the juniors. It's the exploration companies. That's where the 10, 20, 50, 100 baggers may lie. Of course, that's also where you have greater risk. But I think that's where Adrian really shines as a portfolio manager in his ability to try to avoid those companies most likely to fail and concentrate on those hidden gems that he believes are the most likely to succeed. 